Tuesday, July 28th. Uh, peace out, everybody. This is Be Your House. This is Breaking Bread 2020. We've been a little slow, but we're back uh, <clears throat> today with a very special guest, Miss uh, Riley Locker. And um, just again, a reminder to everybody: this 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 uh, podcast and these is more for documentation uh, to document past, present, and future artists uh, in, our, in our communities, and so we ourselves can look back at these kind of things and you know and see how we've progressing grown. So thank you very much, Riley, for being here with us today with us, because I have like a big crowd of people leaving. <laughs> thank you for having me. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, so can you, uh, for anybody in the world that might not know who you are, could you introduce yourself, uh, who you are, and maybe just start with, because we met at ASU, and so I'm, I'm curious to know more about your background, like pre-ASU as well. So. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Hello, um, I'm Riley. <laughs> um, I'm a dance artist and educator. Um, I'm an Arizona, born and grown here. Like, I've been here my whole life. I'm about to move to Philadelphia in three days to start fresh and get into it, but we'll talk about that in a little bit. And then I guess in Arizona, I've just been really working on um, how I can be a better educator in our dance community, working on my movement within the forms of Vogue and contemporary. Um, I'm very interested in dance film. I like to have community engagement type of events. I've thrown a few events before. I've helped assist a lot of events here in Arizona. And before, ASU, I started dancing when I was 14 and I just joined my high school dance program and I really started there. I did contemporary and what the commercial world calls jazz, which is just whitewashed jazz. But so that's what I did in high school. <laughs> and high school really opened my eyes to the fact, oh, wow, you can go to college for this. So I went to ASU for dance education and I think the program really opened my eyes up to how you can utilize dance as a dance artist and, and then 
with the different avenues of different mediums like learning how to create lights and different sound scores and film and sight dance and dance therapy community engagement learning about all the different cultures behind the forms that was big for me what and years was, what year what years were you there Riley? uh asu right i'm like uh 2015 to 2019 so i graduated last may cool and what high school did you go to i went to coronado high school in south scottsdale south scottsdale so so pretty drastic changes are in growth since since your south scott south, south scottsdale days i imagine um yeah right because you were because you you were you familiar with uh voguing and whacking during mm -hmm. high school had you no. ever seen it or anything Nope. I I really my interest in dance sparked from YouTube because I saw like all the crazy legs and tricks and I was like, I'm flexible. I think I can do these things. So I would like go teach myself in my backyard and then the dance program in my high school gave me some type of training to then I just took off with that and then really started teaching myself using that outside of school as well. And then I didn't come into the dance community here in Arizona until like maybe almost when my senior year of high school was over. I started taking dropping classes with Jose Soto. He was my first mentor in the community and I became his assistant for like three years. So that's really how I got into it. And like at my time at ASU, it was very much like I, I was very balanced within being the community and being at ASU, which I feel like really informed my ASU experience in a different way because I was very much going to community events. I was dancing with a bunch of different companies. I was always taking class outside of school. So I think that really helped me grow into the artist I am today because if I think if I just had ASU, then I would not be as well networked or really had the bravery or courage to like go out there and get shit done you know i felt like like the community is what gave me the fearlessness and then the asu experience gave me the knowledge behind what i needed to like the the fearlessness i needed to like put myself out there and then the knowledge like put together like really helped me get myself out there so and so, so you were introduced into, tell me about your introduction to Vogue Wagon. Okay, so at ASU we have the Come As You Are Ball, and I think it was the second year of the Come As You Are Ball when I was a freshman. So I was just going to the event as part of my, um, it was my assignment for Urban One to battle, and I was kind of scared of Vogue at first. I was like, uh-uh, I can't do that. Like, I can't be like that, like super feminine. Um, and so I like draw, I was drawn more towards whacking. So I like did maybe like two months of whacking before the ball started happening. And so basically it was in the urban classes when I was introduced uh, by Melissa Britt. And yeah, that, that experience like totally changed me and then two years I was like I'm a whacker I'm gonna do all the whacking stuff and then um then I met Blake and Blake Brown he's a dancer in our community and he was a, is a voguer and he taught me how to vogue and then when Marcus came along 
at ASU, I really latched on to Marcus and Marcus helped grow my cultural knowledge behind Vogue and ballroom culture. And Blake was really training me in the technical elements of the of the five elements of Vogue. So like having Blake mentoring me in the movement and then Marcus mentoring me in the knowledge, like that was really helpful for me. So that's how I got into that. And I think I started voguing when I was when I was uh, just a just becoming a junior, so 2017, and I was whacking in like 2016. So, yeah. so I want to come back to um, the five the five elements that you're talking about and, and kind of give us that uh, the difference between some of the forms. I'm curious though about what you said that you were uh, like intimidated by by voguing at first, that you had the bravery, like the crazy tricks and flexibility stuff, like that didn't scare you, but then getting into embodying like that, that, that like what, why, why do you think, or what is that? I think it's because when I joined Urban, I was also a part of the Hip Hop Coalition, so I was like doing the choreography um, parts of it, parts of, it's not hip hop, but you know what I mean. Right, right. The choreography, I was doing the choreography. <laughs> And so since I was doing that, there was a lot of hyper-masculinity within that choreography. And then the Greek and club style dances I was doing, I started with breaking. I was trash. Um, you saw me. Uh, <laughs> Still would like to see Big O'Reilly though go full out because I'm like, oh, she could turn that into, oh, she could turn, oh. She could I really tried. I really tried for maybe like a good year and a half. I was, it definitely built my strength for sure. Respect, so respect. I was like, yeah, I was like dabbling within breaking. I tried crump for a little bit. I was terrible at popping. I've, I love house. I do house sometimes still. Um, so I felt like I was putting myself in forms that did not necessarily use my femininity or I was being taught by mostly men so they weren't educating me on how I could use my femininity within those forms so I felt like there was a disconnect there and then when I learned whacking I for some reason I perceived it as less feminine as voguing because voguing has a lot of um well let's just use the word cunt there's a lot of cuntness in vogue and um a lot of people can say it looks sexual, but that's not really what it, it's very much about celebrating the body. But um, so, but at the time I was perceiving voguing as like hyper feminine and like whacking was like feminine enough for me to try. So I was like, let's try whacking. And then once I was starting to get comfortable with my body, like at the time I was also starting to take heels choreo classes and starting to get more comfortable with my body image and different um ways of moving i was then i was like okay let's try vogue <laughs> so that's how that started so do you think um do you think that's <clears throat> like what you're describing is in part just age and maturity or <clears throat> you mean mm -hmm. or do you, you see like other women your your age still not not comfortable in your body as comfortable in your bodies as, as you might already be because of the dances or do you think that would have came anyway? I think it would have come, but yeah, I was also like very young. I was like 18, 19, and I was still like, I don't know, exploring life. I was, I felt like I was a new baby. <laughs> like, 
so it was just like a whole new avenue because in high school it's like we're not allowed to do quote unquote sexual movement on stage and stuff it's high school like it's right. it's censored so right. it was like my first time like really diving into that part of myself so do you yeah. think do you think high school <clears throat> high school levels are ready for that like would you is that something like you would you would be okay to introduce to high school levels or, or do you agree like now we, we should keep it out of the keep it out of the high school um mm, okay so this is this is one this is a layered one <laughs> so okay the way i think about it i think young girls like teenage age they I feel like they should be allowed to express that type of movement, but they need to know the education on why it's perceived like this in society. Why, why is it not okay to move like that in certain contexts? Context is key with everything in life and especially this. So, I mean, I've taught in high schools and I've taught Vogue to kids as young as like seven. And you just have to strip down the, um, the hypersexuality that comes or hyper yeah that's the word we have to strip down the sexual parts of it you have to strip down um the things that are probably the mature content so i won't say the word cunt <laughs> to to young kids at all whatsoever so it's more when i teach it to kids it's more about like the movement the experience of the movement like even throwing some somatic uh things into it like how is your body feeling like doing this feminine movement it's not necessarily always informed by the male perspective so it's how do you strip down the how do you separate the patriarchy from the movement you know what I mean so that is it's it's really hard to like communicate that to school boards and districts and principals and all the administrators and stuff like that so it's I that's why most dance teachers are like nope we're just not gonna include that at all like jazz has sexual innuendo that's how it historically is but jazz was is always included in high school curriculum but other styles of dance that explore feminine movement can't be you know what I mean so like I know there are some like 16 year olds or there's like heels classes in LA that are 16 plus like and they have the maturity level to go into those classes. So it depends on maturity level, experience, and how it's being taught. Because if it's being taught like, oh yeah, we're going to like grab our ass or something like that, that's like not, like why are you doing that? You know, you have right. to ask the why behind the movement. So that's what, so, that's my no, Thank you. <laughs> um, and can you break down the difference between uh, whacking and voguing for us? Oh yeah, <laughs> two different forms, two different sides of the country. Whacking, same communities though. Whacking comes from uh, LA, the clubs in LA. Vogue comes from New York. Um, so whacking, it's more, I'm gonna talk about Vogue first cause that's where really where I'm at. But um, Vogue is, has five elements of Vogue and I think what gets people confused between the dance styles is the hand performance in Vogue because hand performance is all this. It's the storytelling part of Vogue and you have um, different gestures that you can play with and all that stuff. And whacking is also storytelling. And the through line between the two styles is posing. So um, 
you have pose, 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 pose. And that could be called Vogue. But then when you have uh, whacking, you have your arms, right? And then you can pose, punk, punk, punk. Because it was originally called punking before it was whacking. Um, so it's, they're, yeah, it's just totally, it's, they're different if you. So you know how I mean? would you, so, yeah. So, and, that, and that's what we want, right? We want like, a, you know, because, you know, I asked you this question myself too, even though like, Right. You know, in Chicago, the club that I was going to, it was uh, called Medusa's, and it was a very mixed club, but there was definitely bogey during that time, and I never realized that I had seen wacky. <clears throat> so when you, if you, how would you, what is, what is the average person, right, that's not informed on this, when they're looking at this, what, how, how do I differentiate the two? Is there anything that's like, or is it, or you just have to know that the, you have to overstand it? Well, the way, the most simplest way I think about it when, when I teach my classes, I think about whacking is unveiling the face and then voguing is framing the face if we're talking about movement. So um, voguing is a lot of motion. It, the frames are in motion and then whacking is the frame. You know yeah, what I yeah. mean? Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. No, I think that's a good way to put it, just the, the framing as, a, as opposed to the unveiling. That's mm -hmm. simple enough for people to at least kind of connect. Doesn't mean that they always will, but... Um, yeah. And so, right, uh, I've heard from uh, Victor Manu Manuel. Yeah, Victor Manuel. Manuel, right, that uh, I, was, I was surprised to hear that it came from, uh, from nunchucks, from watching Bruce Lee. Mm -hmm. uh, do not yeah, and the word whack comes from the Batman. Batman show, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so yeah. it's cool. <clears throat> and, and especially because Bruce Lee seems to have influenced everything, breaking and everything, like all these other different styles as well. Um, mm -hmm. So I thought that was super fresh, yeah. especially because people perceive it as such a feminine style, but it's like, but it, but it comes from like such an aggressive, you know, weapon fighting style. Right. Type of, uh, Femininity has power too. Right, no, you're right. Absolutely, you're right. And it's like interesting though that people like mix it up because I just feel like people forget about the other elements of Vogue. Like that's where the big dip is. That's where the breakdowns, the spins, the catwalks, the duck walks, floor performance, like all that is in Voguing and that does not exist at all in Whacking. So like when I say like people just get confused by the arms, it's literally just the arms. And there are like a few little things that like they share their sister styles. So like the figure eight, like that's definitely something in vogue, but I can use it whacking too if I want. But so it's just like really knowing, like if you're a voguer, you're not gonna whack in your hand performance. It's just like, no, <laughs> that's a chop. <laughs> What's a chop? What's a chop? Tell the people what a chop is. So when you're at a battle or a ball, a um, you, have, you have like the, you have the judges panel and it's usually like depending on what kind of event like usually big balls have like seven to nine judges on the table and there's a big runway so you're at you're at the end of the runway going towards the judges table and you have to get your tens in order to even battle so that's kind of like the prelim round so you go do your round and all nine seven how many judges they all have to do their tens but if only one of them chops you that's like a no, you're chopped. 
So and because I went to write the last the model, the last one that Marcus put together. Um, what that was probably the probably the most that I've witnessed that I've been in it, and it was uh it was super. What the thing that I found that there were so many things that I loved about it. Um, but it was it was ruthless. It was yeah. like I was like, yo, this makes. I was like, y'all, y'all be putting the finger at hip hop and breaking. That we're so aggressive, and I'm like, yo, if we did this to, to breakers, it would, if they came out and did the top rock, we're like, eh, nope, we don't even want to see you go down to the floor, which I'm okay it's, with. Like, if you can't top rock, you should be going down on the floor. But that's a whole different conversation. Um, but I really, I, I like that uh, that part of it. I really like that they were. <sighs> Things that I'm like, okay, we could adapt some of these things into, into these other styles where they were asking, like, who's your teacher? You know what I mean? It, it, because everybody and their mama teaches. So it, it puts a teacher on the spot. Like, this is your student. You're letting them come out here to and we do literally this trash. Like, you, like, so when you enter the ballroom community, you are a virgin. You are, like, the bottom. You, In order to, like, get to the normal categories, you have to win or do enough virgin categories in order to just get past that point and then you're just like a beginner once you start winning a little bit then you become a star after a few years after going state to state winning you become a statement then after like 10 years legendary but you have to be deemed legendary ball by a ballroom council then you have the pioneers icons so like for like the teachers and stuff you really should just be going to the legends and icons like I'm a nobody involved in culture. Like the only reason- But you're still allowed to teach though, even though you don't have legendary status yet. Yeah, that's like the only reason why I'm teaching it is because Arizona doesn't have a scene here. And like, I've been in communication with legends on the West Coast about it and stuff. And they're totally supportive of trying to create a scene here in Arizona because so. there are people that would love to have a scene here. And yeah, yeah. it becomes a safe space for them. So, yeah. And how do you, um, so from going to a virgin to beginner, is that, is that also decided by a council or is that um, each person? It's kind of like each person. And like, usually when people are virgins and beginners, sometimes a house will see the potential in you and want you to join the house and they will become your mentors your teachers and they will help support you in your journey of walking balls so in my in my experience i'm a 007 so that means i don't belong to a house and the reason being is because i want to be a part of a house that feels like a family i don't just want a house to be like so break oh, down what a house is for the people that don't know all right, all right, yeah. So a house is like a crew. So, <laughs> so you got the mother, the father, the house, and then you got all the children. And um, historically, like in New York, they would literally be living in the same house. Like the mother and father would uh, take people off the streets and bring them in their house and they become a house and they walk the balls on the weekends or whatever. And so that's what a house is. Now houses have grown to be something internationally, like House of Ninja, they have chapter, West Coast chapter, East Coast chapter, just a chapter for New York. They have Russia, Japan, whatever. So like houses are now huge. So as a 007, I'm, I'm 
I'm looking for the family orientation because I don't want to just stick a name on the end of Riley. Like I want to have a family behind me that supports me. I want it to be genuine. I want it to be real. So as a 007, when I was starting my virgin journey, I didn't have anybody to walk me through the steps. I had Blake and I had Marcus to like guide me a little bit in like what I should do and how I should handle or um, what to do in a battle and stuff like that. So I did, I had some like guidance in my ear, but I've really just been on my own. And honestly, it just takes like being in the community. Like if I didn't show up consistently, then people would have no idea who I am. Like, so like the West Coast scene is kind of like a safe haven for me because I've met the majority of people over in the West Coast scene. I'm really excited to go over to the East Coast and start that over. So from virgin to beginner, there's not really, there's not a ballroom council to determine that part. It's just kind of like your own journey, but like so, legend, icon, like you have to be Dean. <laughs> you get like plaques and stuff. <laughs> and who's that, who's, how's that council made up of, like how's the council that does Dean you? It's like made up of icons and legends in the scene. Like commentators are also in on it. Uh, a lot of ball, uh, people that throw balls and stuff are in on it and stuff like that. So people that support the community for the community, um, it's ran by the community. So that's... so is that a, is that agreed upon, like a? So what I'm so what I'm thinking right is why I think in these other forms it is, you know, if we had something like that, I'm breaking, I couldn't just go like, you know, okay, I'm gonna make this count. So somebody's gonna go like, well, what makes you? a legend or what makes you not maybe not everybody's gonna agree that you're a legend so is that is that pretty agreed upon like like um yeah i mean there's a lot of shade and a lot of gossip in the ballroom community not everybody's gonna believe or uh think that you're legendary or because they'll think oh this person deserves it more you shouldn't be deemed legendary first before them so like there's a lot of controversy when people get deemed and stuff but like if someone like truly deserves it they they truly deserve it and nobody can take that away from them you know so usually legend icon it's like you're participating in the community you're doing something to make the community better you're doing shit outside of ballroom you are um participating in ballroom doing all the things like just being a good overall human being in in and out of your communities so, so and is there such a thing as um some of these might be silly questions, but I'm okay with asking silly questions. Um, so let's say even even if you you know you, you come in as a virgin and then I, I, I'm a legend already or I'm above a beginner or whatever. What's what's up? What's above a beginner? Uh, star. Star. So, okay, I'm, so, I'm, so I'm if I'm a star and you're a virgin and then I see you enter as a beginner and I'm all like hell no she she ain't ready for a beginner. Do, do you get called out? Like when people step to you and try to like battle you the way we do like a breaking or a popping or you know, or is it or is it just shade like nah it's it's make- a lot of shade it's a lot of shade there is a thing called storming this is a lot of people do it either for fun or to handle their shade and shit or drama whatever so like at the beginning of every ball there's this thing called lss which stands for legend statement star and the commentator at the ball 
calls out whoever's in the room and they do a little walk on the runways to kind of just like a way to end, like start the ball, get the ball going. And um, so if someone gets called, let's say, I'll just use myself. So if Riley O double seven gets called to the floor, I'm voguing or whatever, someone can come out from the crowd and just start battling me if they want. Like that happens all the time. That's called Dope. storming falling. Storming, so. Dope. So there are call outs, fresh. <clears throat> all right, uh, so speaking of um, houses, Kiki House of Paragon. Yeah, okay, so Kiki House of Paragon. Um, I just started this little house. It's kind of just been in, like, it was bound to happen for like a good year now. Basically, I'm house mother. I'm about to be grandma though in Philadelphia. <laughs> um, so. How, wait, how does that happen? How do you go from so, mother to grandmother? So since I'm leaving, I'm going to give the mother and father roles over to Ellie as mother and then Avery as father. And then we have Omar and Xavier also in the house. And we basically, as a house, you know what, let me pull up the mission statements right here. The Kiki House of Paragon creates space for ballroom culture in Arizona for community members to freely express themselves within historical and cultural foundations. So basically, we're a little group that's just trying to build ballroom culture and create space for people that need the space, that want to engage with us. Um, we've, we want to grow the house, have prospects, um, do that whole thing, hopefully throw balls in the future when Corona is not around, all that stuff. So yeah. Sweet. And so right now, how, when did you guys start that? Uh, we started it back in May. May. Very brand new. Dope. Um, some more stuff we've jumped around on. Uh, why, the, why the move? Why are you moving? Tell everybody where you're moving and why you're moving. So I'm moving to Philadelphia in three days. I am moving because I want to dive deeper in ballroom culture. And I've been assisting slash trying to grow the ballroom scene here in Arizona and I feel like the best way for me to do that is like go out there and be in the scene have it so accessible to me that I can just walk down the street to a ball like on a Saturday night like so because there's for me to fly out to a ball in New York or Philadelphia, it gets expensive. And then sometimes my category gets cut, so I don't even get to walk. Uh, for example, in January, the Icon Iconology Ball, they had women's performance on Saturday night. The ball didn't finish on time, so my category got cut. The Aftermath Ball was on Saturday, my category got cut. So I flew out there not to battle or walk. So I, I know I was very frustrated but I shouldn't be frustrated because I know this is a common theme with balls. Ballroom culture, I think, is very organized up until the ball doesn't finish on time. <laughs> um, so, this, like, I'm trying to minimize my frustration with that by moving to where the balls are at so I'm not spending all the money in the world and then to maybe walk. So I'm trying to build myself in ballroom culture, really understand the culture, be with the people, join, finally join a house, um, all that stuff. So I want to do that in Philadelphia because it's way cheaper than New York. 
and I have a lot of network connections out in Philadelphia already. So I feel like it'd be a smart move for me. Also, like I've never been outside of Arizona, so I think it's, it's time to experience something else. <laughs> and well, we wish you luck, of course. Um, so what, what kind of support system do you have behind you? Cause like to make it, I feel like either, right? Some people are gonna be like, either you're crazy as hell, or, or you you have a very strong support system somewhere that's giving also giving you that confidence to be crazy as hell. Or, or, and it's not even that crazy, right? People just see things as crazy and they just get stuck in one single place, you know. Which I which I think is crazy. Like the Earth is humongous and the world is huge, and we're gonna stay in one single location for our whole lives, and that's crazy. Um, so do you have us do, do you feel supported do you have a support system that that's giving you that courage or are you just it's a courage that you've built up over time um I think it's a mixture of both I definitely think nobody in my family was expecting me to want to move at all um they didn't really seem happy at first but now they're kind of like on board like oh she's going <laughs> um but yeah I'm I'm also just crazy like literally for, for example, like in November, there was three balls, like every single weekend in November, I would just drive on Saturday, go to the ball, drive back on Sunday for three weekends in November. Like, I'm that's crazy. I, I, that's crazy. <laughs> so, I got a couple, I got a couple hundred of those under my, so, I mean, breaking was the same way, especially in the, right. like, I was in California every single weekend. I was, I drove, we drove to Texas and back we, in the van, like we, we slept in, you know, so it's, so I mean, to some people it's crazy, but at the same time, you know, something that I, I'm not sure where I heard it, but that continues to resonate with me is to, like to really be good at something is that you have to do the things that everybody else sees as crazy, as unreasonable. Like the, well, that's too much. Like you're doing way too much. And it's like, cool. But that's how, that's how you're going to level up. Mm -hmm. I always thought I was crazy ever since freshman year at ASU when the first Urban Soul happened. I wasn't really like good at any dance form yet and I just like threw myself in the cypher <laughs> to battle anyway. That's how you gotta do it sometimes. You gotta just get out so, there, like, drown a little bit, swallow some water. Yeah, like I feel like it's a mixture of courage because I've been wanting to move to Philadelphia since 2018 when I first went with Melissa Britt and a bunch of people from Urban oh, Arts okay. Club. So like I've had my eyes on Philly for some quite for quite some time. I was just like waiting to graduate and then get my money together. So I'm out of here. Um, but yeah, my support system, I definitely rely a lot on my friends. Um, How's your family feel about you doing these dances? because I'm, I'm assuming that they've never seen it before either. Yeah, well, they, I don't know, they're kind, of, they're kind of indifferent about it. They're just like, oh, she's doing her thing. <laughs> so they're not, they're not like, whoa, like she's dancing in heels. They're, they're not like that. Have um, they ever been to a ball? No. You think that would make a difference? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a ball is very overwhelming. It, they're, they're crazy packed full of people they're loud my parents i can't see my parents at a place like that <laughs> i took my mom to that one that same one um with marcus and <clears throat> she ended up sitting in the judges seats i'm like mom that's the judges seat she's like oh my like, you're oh, yeah, judging anybody you're judging everybody anyway though so <laughs> you over here and she was like oh, i like her i like him i like oh he's definitely she i'm like 
Miles ain't really a judge. You know that, right? <laughs> she was chopping people. Um, he really was. <laughs> uh, <laughs> really dope. Um, so what, what would you, is there, is there like a defining moment for you that you've had thus far? Um, defining moment. You mean like something that like just it, yeah, it, like so, it, it snapped. So I think my biggest defining moment to like decide that like Vogue is like the form I'm going to do was Come As You Are, The Escape. So I think that was fall 2017. And I, this is my, I just, I was like, yes. I'm gonna try to, my goal was to make top eight in whacking because like whacking was my, um, my tunnel vision at the time was whacking. And for shits and giggles, I was like, you know what? I'll do the Vogue. I've been voguing for like a month. I was kind of just like, I want to dance. So, and then I made it to the final battle of the Vogue battle. And I was like, what? And then it was me and Xavier in the finals and Xavier is my brother. And he, him, him and I started voguing at the same time. And I, I've always looked up to him as like a movement artist and mentor and yeah so he's he's very close to me and the fact that like him and i had that exchange in the final battle and i took the w that night and that was my first ever battle i won after trying to just dabble in a bunch of random stuff for the past two years and i was like what i got a w like i was literally shook i thought xavier took that and from that moment like omari Ari was the commentator. Marcus got him to fly out for it. He is, he has his own house now, so he's Omari Orichi. And when I met him, like he gave me a pep talk about like just keep doing it, keep training, that kind of stuff. So that like was a huge moment for me. That first W at Come As You Are, the escape ball. <laughs> and so. And then my neck, I think my next defining moment was when I, my first trip to New York, which was last August, and I battled at three balls that week. And I made it pretty far in the first one. And this girl, she's amazing, Candice Labeja, she, she beat me at OTA Weekly. And then the second ball I went to, I made it to the finals in the hand performance category. And I was like, the finals? And then the next night after that, it was, I made it to the finals in the Vogue category against Candice, who was I just battled two nights before, and I beat her. And I was like, wow, I just won a ball in New York. It was a mini ball, but still, I won a ball in New York. Like, that was huge for me being from Arizona, like, not being the ballroom scene that much. So, like, I think that lit a fire under my ass to, like, just fucking keep going, keep training, keep going. Like, so, yeah. How, how were you received? In the, in the community like was it like like who, who the heck is this girl like or um yes or, and no. or, or you, you mean and, and winning like so early um no i think it's just like i think in the on the east coast when i was doing those balls they were just it was very the balls i was specifically at was very like community yay it wasn't like a major ball major balls different type of energy these okay. kind of balls mini balls way more friendly open um supportive of each other so those balls were definitely helpful in creating like my self-esteem in those environments 
Um, so, and there's always going to be the people hating on you. And then, then there's people that are like, oh my God, you're so amazing, blah, blah, blah. I want to get together. And then we never get together. And then there's the people that are like genuinely like, let's work on this. I want to help you. So you got to hold on to those people. No doubt. Um, but, and right now, what's your, <clears throat> looking ahead, what, what, is, what is your biggest fear or challenge that, that you see coming towards Ryan? Um, I think that's a, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> my biggest challenge coming up, I think, is just financial stability, honestly, like with Corona and everything. Like, I plan on substitute teaching when I get out there because that's what I have been doing out of school. Um, but I know long-term goal is I want to be a dance educator in a high school. Um, if not that, I want to get my master's and teach in a university setting, but I'm not there yet. So, but my conflict here is I'm a dance educator and there's no public dance programs in Philadelphia. They're only offered in the charter schools and those jobs only come like they're slim picking, like they, they're, they barely exist. So I think also with like schools being shut down, like not knowing like how everything's gonna go, I think that is just heavy on my mind. Um, but yeah, substitute teaching is like my go-to. What if that falls, falls through? I'll figure something out. <laughs> oh. okay. that's, that's, that's my philosophy. Figure it out. I just heard somebody earlier what they say. Yeah, I think they were saying that, like, no matter what. Like, no matter what, I'm still going to. No matter what, that, that, that was your go-to, too. Just no matter what. Like, mm-hmm. It's going to happen. You're good. <clears throat> All right. Um, a few more questions. Uh, what would you tell Riley from 10 years ago or five years ago? Young Riley, what, what would you tell you? What would today Riley tell young Riley? Mm, okay, well, this is one of the things I prepared for. <laughs> so, young Riley wanted the product and she didn't really understand that it took a long process to get to the product. She's not very patient. So I think over the years I've gotten patient and um, I'm still working on it, but I was very focused on like, I wanna get there, I wanna get there. And then I would not put much attention into the process on how to get there. So I felt like a lot of the things I was doing, it wasn't well thought out or my intentions um, got, manipulated with some things just because it wasn't very direct and yeah I just think focusing on the process the here the now and then also uh intentions versus impact I feel like this theme has been coming a lot coming back for me because of Black Lives Matter um so I feel I've been working on my dismantling my internal whiteness I think starting in 2016 when Marcus called me out um like fucking whiteness is so hard to deconstruct it's so conditioned in you and I think the intentions versus impact really helps me um check myself all the time whenever whiteness is like hello so 
like it, it just helps me keep stay where I need to be you know what I mean like I just want to make sure because you know when people are like oh I have such good intentions but then like the impact is like what the are you serious like that was so bad like you have to think about the impact first you can't just trust your intentions all the time you know what I mean so that's just something that young Riley should have known but didn't know but now she knows <laughs> and how were you right and, and, and you know uh, shout out to, to of course rest in power to Marcus White uh, for the people that don't know came to Arizona a few years ago <clears throat> as a professor at uh, Arizona State University uh, and you know had a big big impact on, on all, of, all of this movement and, and watering mm -hmm. some seeds and you know making make some some big moves so um, yeah. you know, rest in power with that brother um, when you how come you weren't offended or were you offended when Marcus called you out I wasn't offended at all. It was more like I, I was taking a really, that's when I was taking like interest in Vogue, like in depth. I was like, I want to do this. I want to do this. And like Marcus was just like checking me, making sure like, hey, check your whiteness. Hey, here's some articles about whiteness and here's resources. So he was helping me uh, dismantle myself. And um, I think I didn't really take him seriously at first. And then he was like, no, if you're gonna be voguing, if you're gonna be in the ballroom community, you need to be doing this work. And then I was like, okay, let's and do so, it. And so what, what What advice, This I didn't give you this question, right? But what advice do you, would you give to other white people? I mean, because it's, uh, it's very it's very easy that you could have you could have took that in a very different way. Like I said, you could have right. offended or you could have. So what what is what is your you know whether it's dancers or not dancers? Uh, right. I think listen, like like shut up for two seconds and listen. And like if you're getting defensive about it, why are you getting defensive? Like check. Like you need to like ask yourself these questions. Like, I feel like a lot of white people are very entitled to their whiteness. And I mean, I'm still trying to break down my shit. Like it's gonna take my whole lifetime. Like it's never gonna stop. Um, so I think everybody just needs to take it upon themselves to educate themselves, like really listen and hear all different perspectives and um, read books or all the books that everybody's been putting out to help people that don't know about this um but yeah main thing is like listening and then after you're done listening what can you do that doesn't center yourself in order to help the cause you know what I mean because I feel like there's a lot of people out there right now that are like dancers in the community non-white white that are like putting out dance content dance content and they're like talking about the movement but like when they're putting their dance content out they're still centering themselves you're not just talking you know what i mean it's it's not genuine so i'm gonna jump back to it thank you for that i want to jump back to something else that you said earlier about um mm -hmm. about the young riley about looking for that product how does that can you look at a dancer uh, can you look at a dancer and know okay they're in it for the product or they're in it for the process and how, you know how does that show up in movement i mean so you know like for me in breaking i can see i can see a young breaker and know 
okay, the pro- what your what your intentions are, what your what your you know if you're going for that product or if you're in it for the process. I can tell it, when they move when I see them move. It's maybe a little. I don't know if it's easier, you know. For, so I mean, I, I think it, and I'm I'm making a generalization, and uh, but as a youngster, you're attracted to the tricks, to the head spins and the windmills and the back. That shit's amazing. It's still amazing, right? So nothing against power, but when I see kids just focus on that and they ignore that's when i know i know where their head's at not that it's a bad place right it's it's is there is there is that also true uh for these styles can you look at somebody and kind of know where they're at oh yeah oh yeah like if you see someone just trying to focus on their dip like and they're not they're not focusing on the catwalk or the story they're like voguing is all about your story like what what kind of story are you telling me um so like, yeah, it's definitely apparent. Like you see it in all dance forms. Like when I teach my babies contemporary, they're like just trying to get their leg up here. And I'm like, you don't even have it down there yet. Well, how are you gonna get it up there if you don't got it down there? Like stop, like chill, patience, calm yourself. Like you will get there, it's gonna take time. <laughs> um, talked a little bit about, uh, you have- uh what would you what do you want to tell the Riley of the future? Mm, I feel like the Riley 10 years from now is the inspiration for the Riley now because I want to keep building myself into the best version I can be. You know, whether that's like really fulfilling my purpose in life as an educator or dance artist like what am I doing to influence the community and how is the community influencing me and where are my morals where are my values where are my boundaries like I want to be the best me I can be in 10 years and then just keep building off that so whatever Riley is in 10 years is inspiring me right now to just keep working on myself that's the process super fresh i don't think i've ever heard that <laughs> answer that's I'm, I'm gonna bite that like oh house he's aspiring house for 10 years from now shout out to riley <laughs> Where uh, is it? uh touched on these other ones so i'm, I'm curious about since you started a, your own house but you're still looking for a house to to be a part of oh yeah okay let me break this down so the ballroom community has different scenes within the ballroom community so the kiki house of paragon is a part of the kiki scene and there's also the mainstream scene so the mainstream scene has more of the bigger houses that are like more household like house of ninja house of labasia house of ebony uh they just have huge houses. These are the ones that are like very international. Kiki houses have international ones, but they're they're just on a smaller scale. But mainstream is more competitive. Um, it's really there's a it's a lot of ego driven stuff in it. It's very um, intimidating because that's where all the big balls are, like real big. And then the Kiki scene is more for like people that are up and coming, just joining ballroom, more friendly, supportive, encouraging, really um, focusing on how to make the community better. Um, So the Kiki House of Paragon belongs to the Kiki scene. And then I'm a 007 in the mainstream scene. So I'm trying to find a mainstream house. So 
it could be House of Balmain, House of Escada, House of Orici, House of whatever, whoever I'm drawn towards and they're drawn to me and the relationship happens, then I join their house. So then I'd be Riley, Paragon, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so we have so could, two. Could, could the House of Paragon move to, to the mainstream? Um, or, your, or if you're if you're kinky house, it could, but I wouldn't, just because the Arizona scene is literally so small compared to the rest of the ballroom scene. So, um, not that it won't grow, but I don't see it transitioning into a mainstream scene. Or and, how, and how do those two scenes get along or not get along? They get along. They're totally fine. They're just, they're just like separated just because... Um, when people are like very much about the competition and house representation and stuff, that's where the mainstream stuff happens. And then you can go to the Kiki ball next day and have the time of your life. And in case you're mad that you didn't win the night before at the mainstream ball, whatever. <laughs> so like, and, and, and there isn't conflict though. And right, and I'm thinking about breaking specifically. There isn't conflict on. So when I think about breaking, and <clears throat> maybe I feel like it's this is similar words where you have like the competition circuit like the Red Bull All-Stars and the monster teams and the guys that are now professional breakers and that's their job and they go around even though they get along with everybody in you know the underground scene or the local scenes but there's still sometimes like I think a clash between it of like well you guys are focused on just the money or like you said there's a lot of ego you're gonna focus focus on the ego as opposed to like you're not doing any community work so sometimes there's there's a little bit of a, you know, there's space for both, I think. And the skating world does a really good job of, you know, the big ramp guys versus the street skaters, but they're all sponsored or they all have opportunities. We're not there yet, we're breaking them. But this sounds similar to that. So I'm wondering if, if they're both just supportive and cool, you're into the competition, that's cool. But it sounds like the people that are the big ones still come to the teachers. Yeah, the, the, like they're, we're like all, they're separated, but everybody's like this within all of them. And there are people that prefer to just stay in the Kiki, and then there are people that prefer to stay in the mainstream. And of course, there's always those issues about like mainstream balls, like just suck up so much money, they just want money, blah, blah, blah. Sometimes it is about that. Um, so, but also let me make it clear that the mainstream scene is not like mainstream pop culture, like mainstream is still underground ballroom culture. So it's just the mainstream within ballroom. Yeah. And like, I haven't really dived too much into the Kiki scene myself. And I mean, like this, this whole podcast, like I'm not all know all, I don't know everything. So like, yeah, just want to make that clear. <laughs> yeah, not for sure. You're, 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 you're still young and it, you know, but you're making moves, but still get to recognize that you have that work to do. Um, yeah. Is is are these communities? Are they looking for? Are they looking to get mainstream, like big mainstream? Because right, we see some of the new films that have come out. You know, uh, so is yeah. that something they're looking for? Are they looking to get? You know, are they get looking for a Red Bull sponsor, or, or are they looking for these corporate sponsors in that, or do they not want to have anything to do with that? Well, there are definitely people that have gone into the uh, to the the real mainstream not the real mainstream but you know right, what right. i mean corporate uh, like corporate mainstream yes yeah there you industry. go industry industry 
great work. <laughs> yeah, so there are people that are definitely a part of the industry, like when the TV show Pose came up, and now you have people from ballroom acting and voguing, and there's this whole show about ballroom history and culture. So you have that, and then you have Legendary, which is basically like a ABDC, but for ballroom. And so you have these mainstream platforms or industry platforms and a lot of people are like no like we don't like that they they people want to keep it underground people want to keep it sacred people want to keep the integrity of it um but then there are the people that are like we want to be seen so it there's always a controversy between the two um and there's definitely vogers out there that have taken strides like Laomi she started her she's an icon Laomi and she has a house house of Amazon and she's done stuff for Nike she's a judge on legendary she does music videos like she's it girl like she huge inspiration to me even like she's amazing so there's people that are out there doing that stuff and then there's people that are like absolutely not we're not going into the industry because everybody's gonna ruin it type of stuff. Yeah. And do, do you guys have in those, uh, I haven't seen that legendary show. So <clears throat> has it happened yet or do you see it happening where, you know, some of the dance shows that we have <clears throat> where the judges aren't like, some of them have no business judging some of this dance and stuff, right? And then they say that, you know, J-Lo's calling airfares, windmills and, you know, people- well, I mean, I've seen, I've seen some really, I'm not gonna say, I'm not gonna say whack, but I've seen some questionable choreography on like World of Dance and yeah. other platforms and stuff, and they, yeah, the judges have no business judging that, or even the dancers dancing it. You're in ballroom. You and did someone from ballroom teach you that? I don't. Doesn't look like it. Like so. Same same, same issues. Yeah, same issues in that regard. Yeah, for sure. Cool. And do you get, how does this community take care of, of uh, you know, a lot, of, a lot of what in hip hop, what we, one of the, one of the issues that we have is that we're not taking care of our elders uh, the way we maybe should be, right? Uh, that a lot of them are not either, either not getting credit for this stuff um, or they're just, you know, you know, there's people I'm breaking right now that I could ask them who Ken Swift is and they have no idea. I'm like, oh my, like, what? How is that possible? That I never thought in a million years that would be possible, um, you know. But so that does that happen as well in these communities? I feel like yes, but I also feel like there uh, the ballroom community is, does a really great job of recognizing people who have passed, people who have who aren't icons, who are legends. Um, it's just I think it's really hard because. I know a lot of people when they think of voguing they're just thinking about like the dance but ballroom culture has like all the other categories too so you have to think about realness runway face so like there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of icons and legends that you have to keep track of and that shit is so hard i even struggle with knowing who who is who and where and where they come from and everything like it's hard is really hard to keep track of and um there is a website i think 
I'll have to give it to you. I, this might not be like the right URL, but learnyourhistory.net or something like that. And um, she, this woman, she made this website for ballroom history and to recognize people in ballroom but like it doesn't have everybody on there still so like it's still hard to like really know everybody in the past um it also depends on like if you are in a house like let's say house of escada then your elders in house of escada will educate you on people in house of escada so um not necessarily everybody else in ballroom so it's it's really hard to keep track of it's definitely an issue, but I mean, on Facebook every day, I see like, happy birthday to Icon, blah, 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 recognized in like the <laughs> ballroom group that has like 15,000 people in it. I'm like, okay, got to keep track of all these names. <laughs> it's hard. <clears throat> Dope. Um, so last few questions, I know I said that already, but so right, so part of this, part of right now, so what, what advice, I'm, I'm going to ask you, and, and again, I want to reiterate what you just said earlier for anybody that's listening, right? That that in no way, shape, or form, I was saying like you're the ultimate expert on the other mm-hmm. stuff. You know, I, I recognize you as a, as a student, but um, but part of it is that I see you doing the work. I see you trying to build, uh, right? And that's <clears throat> that's what the things that I want to be able to to recognize and put out there. Not necessarily who's the best in the world type of thing. It's like who's doing the, who's doing the work. Um, right. And so this won't be our last conversation about it. But um, obviously, so right now. Where luckily enough, we, we have a support of ASU that they still want to continue to to honor not only Marcus but but these these forms uh, with the come as you are ball. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, I'm not in these communities, but I'm the only person there right now that's going to be able to facilitate this or be some kind of bridge. And this is going to happen very very fast. We have a date set for October twenty something. I let people know about it. Um, and so I want to just be the facilitator and the bridge and the resource for, for some of this stuff. Um, so what's what's your advice to me on like getting this, getting a, a ball or something or, or should, let me ask you this, should, should we even try to, should I even be trying to put together a ball or should I just do something much more low, low scale, low key, or is there enough resources that, that and that well, people would be receptive of like, what, this kid's a b-boy, like, and he's going to put together, uh, you know, and again, I'm making this very clear for everybody is that I'm not trying to throw a ball. I just, I happen to be the person that's here. I want to be able to uh, honor Marcus, uh, Marcus's work and, and Melissa's work and, and, you know, and the communities. I see it the same exact way as if I left and Marcus was in charge you know, of having to throw something, uh, the challenges that he might have. So what are, for, for, what is your advice to, to me with this and how to approach this? Question, is it October of this year or next year? This year. Uh, <laughs> right. I feel, I feel like it's too soon. It's too soon for that. Um, yeah. But for any ball or any type of Vogue event, I think partnering with the house that I created for guidance with ballroom culture because they know everything that I know they know so they are really the people to talk to and like you can always talk to me too and then 
connecting you with people from the west coast because they want to help our community here they want like i have a few people that are like ready to fly out here <laughs> so like come and teach a class or come judge or commentate and stuff but basically keeping it as authentic as possible and it is really hard to do that because the community doesn't necessarily know how to participate in these events like the voguing at come as you are like is not the voguing that you're going to see at a ball in ballroom culture like it's going to be very beginner very virgin everybody's virgins in arizona like that's that's how it is um so it's also getting into the gay community here in Arizona. The Arizona gay community, I think, is very focused on drag culture and the drag community. And and I think that's just because they don't know that we're trying to start a ballroom scene. Like the, the black and brown LGBTQ community members that are in drag, I've met a few of them and they're like, yeah, we just joined drag because there's no ball scene here. And they're part of, they were a part of ballroom when they lived in Chicago or whatever. So there's people here. So it's it's more like, how can I connect you to those people? How can House of Paragon work with you? Or getting Michael Soto, who helped Marcus with Pose the Poles, with you, Equality Arizona, Transfer Pueblo, getting those local organizations working with you to create this ball to be authentic, integrity for these forms because without that like it's gonna be whack as fuck like <laughs> like yeah so yeah okay yeah so again this will be our last conversation i just want mm-hmm. to pick your brain on that uh, and again that's my number one <clears throat> when i talk to them you know and it fell on me like i definitely don't want it to I, I don't want it to go away um, but at the same time I, again I look at it from the other way like if somebody was going to throw a breaking event no matter who you are it has to have all of those ingredients that you're talking about and so I want to make sure that I'm not disrespecting anything in any kind of way <clears throat> go ahead. also um, you don't have to include this in the podcast but I was going to throw a ball slash all style battle before I moved but that didn't fucking happen um, so I have a plane ticket <laughs> under Aniche Smith's name, and I can't get the plane ticket changed from his name because <laughs> the way the airline did the Corona stuff. So Aniche, who's a legendary, he's the king of the West Coast. Dope. He's he has a plane ticket to come to Arizona, Dope. and so whenever you want to use that, however you want to use that, if you want to use that for Kaya, if not, that's cool. We'll use it for yeah, something. Yeah. But, yeah, that's. I mean, that, that's my plan is to, to reach out to the, you know, because I, I have other networks as well that are that are connected to a lot of. Uh, just today, somebody was like, yeah, I can connect you with their mothers and fathers, and their grandfathers, and I'm like, cool. Um, but and definitely, again, I would want to include, uh, you know, the House of Paragon because you guys are here doing this work, and you're going to, you know, hopefully be a foundation for for what, what will hopefully build up. And so that's why it's important to me that we. We keep the momentum going we keep something going but that we do it 100 percent right or else you know and, and if that means you don't know no, we just throw a small party and include and that's what we do um but i, I definitely yeah. want it. so i'm planning to see it with you you know know that that you know at least with AC, they are willing to, to uh you know give us some resources and so we can continue to support these these forms yeah. 
And like, I, I do think October is too soon, but like if you absolutely are gonna do something in October, I have ideas for like a smaller sized version of a ball or like a Kiki event. Like Marcus had me and Carlos, if you remember Carlos, he had us to help him throw like a, a little Kiki event in order to get ready for post the polls. And it was, he was commentating the whole time. And he was basically educating everybody in the room about ballroom culture and Carlos and I was demonstrating for everybody and it was a way to get people well it was specifically targeted to get the LGBTQ community to go out and vote so if October is a great time to do something similar yeah that, and that's what uh Carrie Koch had mentioned that that was Marcus's shift was going to try to get people to vote yeah, so, I, yeah I, I think I definitely still want to do something of uh, some way, um, you know, and, and we don't know if it's going to be, if everything's going to have to be online or if, but I'm thinking that we could do some kind of hybrid type event where we can do something small, safe, social distancing, but still have some kind of live feeds and stuff uh, yeah. for it. And um, since I was assisting Marcus with Pose the Polls, I'm still on the Google Drive he had. And I have a lot of his documents of him writing up post the polls proposal plans and stuff. So I don't know if any of that knowledge. Or... Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah, we're gonna. Uh, sorry, Riley. You, we were about to be on a whole bunch of Zoom calls, you and me. So, <laughs> so get Perfect. ready for that. But we'll, we'll jump into that. So thank you for that. For for that. Um, yeah, we definitely again want to be able to support these uh, these communities and help help build it and help continue these the legacies you're writing, create these legacies uh, for mm -hmm. everybody. Yeah. Um, what would your, what, give us some shout outs, give us your last words, your, uh, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, your advice for, for the younger generation and or what I like to ask is what's your, you know, if you have any advice for the older generations as well. Mm, I think I feel like everybody just needs to be a little more open-minded. <laughs> like there's so much, there's so much generational gap within communication. And I think the elders need to know that we're in a different headspace than they were when we were younger and vice versa. So everyone just needs to be a little more considerate um, open-minded, be more willing to listen to each other and hear each other, see where we're coming from. Um, yeah, I feel like that communication, I mean, like, even like a, in a relationship, like, you need communication for it to work, like, for our community to really work, we need communication between our generations. And I, I feel like there's a lack of communication within, from the elders to the younger generation and I'm wondering how we can bring it together and I don't know why it's like that but I just know it exists <laughs> yeah and I think we find that in, in all these all the styles right it's, yeah and it's finding creative ways it's kind of kind of part of the initiative with uh, work the way was to, to be able to pair up mentoring kind of situations for people Right, because it, it happens with everybody, and, and you're right. That's probably the biggest obstacle that we have is, is uh, communication and the lack of it. That that, uh, that ends up creating those big generational gaps. Right, mm -hmm. our game changers when, when we can, when we can uh, fill those gaps. And, 
Uh, shout outs, Riley, who you want to shout out? Rest in power, Marcus White. I love you so much. I want to shout out Blake Brown for being my first Vogue teacher. I want to shout out Aniche Smith for being my mentor from the West Coast. I want to shout out all the cisgendered women in ballroom culture. I want to shout out Pack Rat for being a badass, powerful, amazing woman that I specifically look up to. And I want to shout out um, my communities because y'all are the ones that shaped me to be who I am. And just being with you and exchanging space with you, even though we've never said two words with you to each other, like that's still powerful. I still value that. I want to shout out Eliana Spinelli, <laughs> Omar Bajorquez, Xavier Thomas, and Avery Jenkins for always being there to see whatever crazy vision I had <laughs> and being House of Paragon and just killing it. <laughs> dope, dope. Well, it's been uh, it's been a pleasure to watch watch you grow over the years, Riley. Um, and and, and I appreciate the, the work that you do. Because you know, it's, it's, we're one. It's, uh, it's it's hard to be a leader, right? Um, it seems glamorous from the outside, but it you know, really is. It's a lot of sacrifice. You know, I salute you uh, for the moves that you're making. You know, and, and just the matter of respect that you're like going all in 100. percent You know, no matter what further about it you know mm -hmm. i think i can speak for the arizona community that you have you know you, know, you have support back here too um, mm -hmm. and any any networks uh, in any kind of way out of philly we can send them your way as well we'll, we'll let we'll let philly know that you're coming <laughs> that riley's on the way 007 y'all but uh <laughs> thank you again for, for being here riley uh and sharing I, I learned a lot myself and so hopefully everybody that's listening to this uh takes takes away a little bit of something from this and you know, this won't be our last conversation on or off uh, cameras because I'd like to come back in five years and be like, all right, let's let's see how you know what, what different kind of views Riley has uh, for, for us now. What's what's Philly done? You know, so maybe are you planning on staying up Philly for a while? Or yeah, my goal there? is to reassess at the three-year mark. Okay, cool. So maybe we'll, we'll check in with you. Uh, we'll check in with you uh, and see how things are going. But. I'm sure things will go great. Be safe out there, and you know, Thank keep, you. keep 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 doing you. Keep repping, and uh, you know, I'm sure the whole Arizona scene is proud of you for for the things that you're doing. So, um, I wish I could make it out to your session tonight, but I, I'm trying to be safe. I gotta take care of my mom, so I gotta I gotta be extra safe. Uh, <clears throat> if not, I might be out there doing some hell. Oh, my nunchucks, watch out. But uh, we'll touch base again, and uh, I'll let you know when when this when we put this up. Might even be able to uh, put it up all by tonight, get oh. it uploaded. Uh, and yeah, it'll be quick. It was, I think, it was a great conversation. And uh, you know, so thank you again. Well, thank you, thank you for thank having you. me. No doubt. All right, Riley. Uh, let's talk soon. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be in your ear for sure uh, about about making this this happen. And you know, mm -hmm. whatever it is, if, if it's uh, but I'd like to make sure that we, you know, we represent Marcus uh, in October. Absolutely. All right, girl. Appreciate you. Peace. <laughs> Peace, everybody.
Yeah. 